All right. All right. Welcome to this I'm Possible Life podcast. I'm your host, Lisbeth Koning. In this podcast, I give my musings on mindset strategies to harness the power of I am to create possibilities. And today I am so excited because it's a little bit different of an episode and we have a guest here. I want to introduce Elsie Sivier, who is the CEO of Something Elsie, a plant-based chef business. So welcome, Elsie. Uh, I would love to hear about your business and how you got into it. Yay. Hi. Thank you. Um, yeah. So I got into cooking in New York back in 2015. I was seeing someone who was into plant-based and vegan raw diets. So only like smoothies, juices, salads, just, just like pure veggies and fruit. And that got me into the possibility of vegetables and fruit being really interesting and fun like really working with the natural flavors of those elements. And from there, I got a job at a vegan Ethiopian restaurant in my neighborhood that I could walk to, and it just sort of blossomed from there. Um, but yeah, what I bring in my business is retreat services, plant-based retreat services for transformational retreats. Um, yeah, any sort of transformational space or events that need food that is transformational and light and also nourishing. Yes. I had no idea that there were even vegetarian Ethiopian places. Yes. I love Ethiopian. That was one of our go-to places when I lived in Chicago. Cool. Mm, I love so did you learn how to make that special bread that they eat all the food on? The injera. No, that was it. The Ethiopian res um, recipes were very much owned by the Ethiopian chefs there and they would come in early and make all the stuff so by the time I got there they were just like wrapping up and cooling everything down to put in the refrigerator so I never learned that stuff I did like the plating and the salads and desserts okay okay so I would love to hear more about how you see food as um uh an addition to like a transformational retreat like why why should the food matter for that mm. On transformational retreats, people are usually being asked to come outside their comfort zone and being asked to do things and think about things and consider themselves in a perspective that they don't usually do in their regular life. And that can be uncomfortable. That can be very vulnerable. Um, and the retreats that I've been on all have very supportive hosts and supportive um, components that bring in, you know, ways to make that a little easier. Uh, but something that I found in what I do is that when food is comforting and food is nourishing, it can be a really supportive component of a retreat. Um, something that, you know, not just, um, who pointed this out to me the other day, a friend was like, oh yeah, like meals are so important in transformational retreats because it's the one time that people aren't sometimes doing the work or doing, you know, stuff that can be emotionally, physically, mentally taxing. So it's like that moment to take a break, maybe laugh about things, maybe, um, you know, have a moment to connect to other people. Meal times in general can be really important for that. And yeah, when the food is nourishing, that time becomes like really special. And then it is a chance for me as the chef to emphasize that like food and meal times are a time to connect with yourself and like bring in mindfulness. And it just, yeah, it just becomes this time to like reframe what food is for people. Yes, because it in our society has become something that you shovel in your mouth on your lunch break or while you're driving to your next thing as fast as you can 
<laughs> that is so unhealthy. <laughs> yeah. So what are, um, what are some techniques that you would suggest for people if they feel like that is kind of where they're at on the spectrum to bring themselves back more to mindful eating? I think having fresh things available, like something that I got in the habit of doing during the pandemic, just because this is what you did during the pandemic, was bringing all the fresh produce in, washing it right away, and putting it on display. The stuff that could be like stored outside the refrigerator, for instance, I would put it outside the refrigerator on the counter so that I see it. And it's something that I grab when I need something to snack on. And like that goes for things in the refrigerator as well. Cucumbers, apples, you know, anything you put in the fridge that can be washed, I would wash it all at once so that when it's time to eat, I don't have the extra barrier of like, should I wash that? Was that washed? I just know it's clean, ready to go. Um, so that's one thing. I'm also someone who likes to have dips. Like, I guess it depends if you're a dip person, like hummus, peanut butter, like anything to deliver fresh, crispy things into the system. Like that really helps motivate me to eat fresh vegetables. Um, yeah, those are some kind of things I think of right off. Yeah. Yeah. What's uh what's your favorite dip? Oh, hummus is just so easy. Do you make your own hummus? I do, and I use a recipe that is like down low, like I borrowed it from a restaurant and I don't want to give it away <laughs> because it's like very special to that restaurant. Um but another easy thing that I do is and this is like a vegan recipe that, you know, people who don't eat vegan food necessarily wouldn't think about is raw cashew dip or cashew cheese um, which is very simple it's just like you soak cashews to make them soft to blend a food processor or like a Vitamix blender is really good for this because you want to get it really smooth and creamy um, and then just like water lemon juice salt pepper uh, a little garlic if you like and nutritional yeast is the ingredient that brings it vitamin b12 and also that, that like cheesy flavor umami flavor some people might say and that's yeah. the dip for, for vegetables or chips or crackers. What What's a, a veggie that's more unusual that you would suggest to people to be a good dipping vegetable? Mm. Well, if you like like that spice or like a little bit of yeah, yeah, radishes. I love radishes. I've been mm. recently. Also, jicama. Mm. Jicama is like, it, it looks like a big potato, like kind of yeah. weird, big shape. You have to peel the skin off and then you slice it it's got this almost like starchy watery texture um and you can toss it if you slice it into like you know potato fry slices like little um little stalks you can like just toss it in a little bit of olive oil and salt and that brings out the flavor a little bit hmm. yeah i pick them up really nice crunchy watery is there any is there any trick for like for peeling and cutting those oh man I would say most vegetable peelers are going to be not up to the task. Like yeah. what I'll do is I'll cut it in half and then from the top, just like slice as thin as I can mm. outside that way. I tend to avoid using peelers for vegetables that have thick skins or even generally yeah. use a spoon because you can cut yourself so easily. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I like broke a peeler trying to do that too. So then I tried to be like, Oh, I'll buy the already prepared jicama, but it was, it always went bad. Like so fast. Yeah. So I was like, well, this isn't worth buying. Yeah, you got to cut what you think you're going to use and then keep it. Like, yeah. You know, wrap the rest of it until you're ready to use it. Then it lasts a long time, like cabbage. What do you wrap it in? Um. Well, I usually use like plastic wrap or tinfoil, what I have, because I travel a lot. But they used to have like beeswax wraps. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you were talking about displaying the food on the counter that can be on the counter. So 
I don't know a lot about this. I don't know what has to go in the fridge and what can be displayed out. So what kinds of foods can stay out of the fridge? Hmm. Um, well, onions and potatoes generally like a cool, dark place that just helps keep them fresher longer. So if those can go in a drawer, great. Um, although purple onion on the counter is kind of pretty, so I might put that on the counter. But any like squash, um, uh, let's think about it. Tomatoes don't go in the fridge, don't need to go in the fridge. That actually makes them go bad faster. Does squash go bad faster in the fridge? I know it helps to have squash can be preserved at like a cold temperature because I knew someone who grew a bunch of squash and she kept it in her garage over the winter and it just like preserved it. But wow. when you typically when you keep squash, you can just keep it on the counter. Mm. Yeah, the current temperature is fine. Um, apples are good in the fridge, they last a little longer. I'm trying to think of other things that I'll put on the counter. It's like carrots, celery, cucumbers are all fridge things. Mm-hmm. But... Do you have any tricks for keeping celery crispy? Mm, yeah. I was actually just doing that because we had some celery that was a little limp. And I wanted to put it in a stir fry. And this actually worked great in the stir fry is I cut it up into strips and just submerge it in ice water. And so that brings some hydration back into it. And then I sliced it up and threw it in a stir fry. And the water that it absorbed helped cook it in a really good way um, nice. but yeah just putting celery strips in ice water that's actually my dad stores it in the fridge and will keep a long time okay nice all right let's go let's let's go back to the mindfulness around eating what is a practice that you can share that someone can integrate into their life right now hmm. well i'm gonna do it just because i i'm like that doer i like think about it and i want to say it and i have to do it well to prepare yourself before you eat, and I don't do this every time because it is like, you know, a practice, um, but to before you eat, pause and take a few breaths with yourself and observe, you know, notice the, the feelings and the sensations in you before you eat. So often, like you said, we can just like go right into eating mode. And it can be important to notice how you feel before you eat, especially if you are in a situation where it's like, don't have time necessarily to eat like okay I'm doing this to live but at the same time like noticing yourself can be a great way to cultivate mindfulness more anyway um, but yeah taking that pause before you eat to breathe and then before you take your first bite like take a moment with the with the forkful with the spoonful and, and smell maybe look at it and just appreciate before you start eating like that feeling and take slow like the first few bites like slow down notice the textures it's hard because eventually at some point you're going to start just like, da, 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 like chewing, like my mouth knows how to do this. But if you can slow down that first part, you know, I, I had that moment with an apple last summer where I ate an apple in like 20 minutes and I'm like, I tasted apple things I've never tasted before. It's <laughs> incredible what happens when you slow down. Yes. Yes. It's like, it's a gift to yourself. <laughs> exactly. Which nice. is food is, right? It is. Food is a gift and seeing, and um, I also noticed that when I pay attention to how I, how I feel after I eat something, that has really helped me on my health journey. Noticing how good I feel after I eat a healthy meal and maybe how not so good I feel after I eat more like sugars and carbs and alcohol and like that brain fog you have the next few days and noticing, noticing those things and connecting it. Yeah, and that, that takes mindfulness. Yes. <laughs> picking out the, you were talking. You and I were talking about this last time we spoke. Is picking out the specific things, and sometimes it means simplifying meals, right? Not eating so many ingredients, so you can identify 
if certain things do start to aggravate or, or cause the fog or headaches. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, what is one of your favorite recipes to make for one of the retreats that you work at? Well, this was an interesting thing that I've done in the last couple of retreats that ended up being so good. It's, it's going to sound really simple, but it's a comforting meal. And it's an example of how flavors don't have to be crazy and like you don't have to have all sorts of stuff to make something good. Um, so surprisingly, polenta, corn grits, um, made with a little nutritional yeast, again, for the B12 and like some of that savory taste. Um, you can do it with vegetable broth or water. And then what I'll do is I'll saute up some vegetables and either like you make a balsamic glaze, which is where you reduce balsamic vinegar. You can add a little brown sugar if you want a little bit of that. And then um, saute vegetables like peppers, onions, tomatoes, kale in, uh, in the balsamic and then serve those vegetables over the polenta. So, and you can even mm. put an egg on top if you're like, like, sometimes I'll do that for breakfast, you know? Yeah, that sounds amazing. And it's fun and easy to do, like, large scale, too. Nice. What has been your favorite location for a retreat you've worked at? Oh, boy. There was a retreat I cooked for in Malibu, California, and we had this giant mansion mm. in, in the valley of Malibu, and you could see, like, this little view slice of the ocean surrounded by all these other, like, you know, crazy mansions in the mountains and it was just kind of surreal like because i don't i haven't been around those spaces a lot so it was just like dang and yeah big pool out back and big balcony and you could just see this giant like lush countryside sounds amazing <laughs> that's cool nice um so let's say someone wants to integrate some healthier practices into their life do you have any go-to things that you suggest for people I, mean, I would to me it's so personal like that that to me is such a one-on-one -on -one question because everyone has a different idea of what health is and and also what they need in terms of you know cultivating health in their lives and so it really depends on the person i would i would ask that person like well what do you do that feels nourishing to you mm. there right because it, it's just so different for each person yeah but I mean, I would suggest like going outside, like getting sunshine, um, cultivating awareness of breath and finding a movement that you like, whether it's walking or yoga or running or dance, you know, something that helps you feel embodied and helps you feel connected to what you got. Yeah. Where I might start. Yeah. Speaking of yoga, I know that you, um, you do a little bit of that. What else do you do besides being Chef Elsie? Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, I teach. It's kind of semi irregular irregularly right now because I live nomadically and don't like necessarily have one place that I live. But yeah, I'm teaching a little series right now. And then um, what else do I do? I like to go outside. I like to. I'm in the Twin Cities right now. I'm in Minnesota, so I've been seeing some old friends. Um, my partner and I are about to do some arting tonight, like uh, painting and drawing and stuff. 
gosh, yeah, right now I've just been cooking a lot. Oh, I love organizing things. Actually, I'm about to do a volunteer place, a volunteer position at an assisted living facility, organizing the, their medical supply closets, which is like the fun thing about me that people can't believe until they see me in my element of just like, let me clean your room. No, seriously. <laughs> like, I love cleaning and organizing. <laughs> I just love bringing order to things. Yes, that is amazing. We need people like you in our lives. <laughs> Well, this has been really interesting and I have loved talking with you. Is there anything else that you want to bring up? I mean, the message that I love sharing around health and food and stuff, and I kind of touched on earlier is that, you know, like yoga um, or movement or any sort of kind of personal growth work and, and self embodiment care work, um, it's so personal. And mm -hmm. so I like, don't discount the practices you already have. I remember having someone say like, I don't really do anything meditative and then learning that they have a really, what I would think of as a meditative walking practice, right? And so like, yeah, recognize the, the stuff that you do and just like, give credit to yourself and, and know that wherever you're starting from is okay. Yes, yes, that is such good advice. Love that you start with awareness, look at your own life and celebrate what you are doing. Don't discount anything yeah. because we all start from somewhere and you, you have to start from love. And I think that's um, one of the mistakes a lot of people make is they start from hate. Like, oh, I want to change this. Like, no, no. What do you love about you? And let's grow that. <laughs> yes, that's the best place to start. Yeah. Well, if people would like to have more of you in their life, um, one way is that we are going to be doing a retreat together this summer. So I'm very excited about that. It will be in Michigan, um, in the Sleeping Bear Dunes National Area. So if you're interested in that, you can connect with me on Instagram at Lisbeth underscore Koning. Um, and then your Instagram is at something else, right? You want to spell that? Yeah. S-O-M-E-T-H-I-N-A-L-C-Y. So connect with Elsie on there. And um, you could definitely reach out to any of us, either of us, if you have any questions and really just um, connect with yourself and know what it is that makes you feel good. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Elsie. Thank you.